0: Welcome to the After Hours Sessions podcast. This is your host, D-Rock, and I'm joined by a special guest, someone who is one of the top performers in the adult industry, someone who is an amazing performer, uh, entrepreneur, just someone who's real innovative in the adult industry, and someone I'm so excited to have on the show and to be able to talk to, someone who's an AVN Award winner and just all-around, You say this name and people know exactly who you're talking about. So I'm just honored that she was willing to come on the show. So let's give it up for the amazing Sin Sage. Sin, how are you?
1: Hello. Wow. Uh, What a great intro. (laughs) (laughs) I like imagining that if you say my name, people know what you're talking about. So that's nice.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. (laughs) People know. People are fans and excited I, I'm sure you you know like how people want, people love your work and are excited so that's the same with the after-hour sessions uh fan base too they excited that you're coming on
1: oh that's wonderful to hear
0: <laughs> so uh, for me I guess because I- I'm someone always interested in a lot of things to be honest but mm-hmm. I'm interested in you know Someone's journey and how they got in there. And we could definitely talk about that. But I'm, I guess I'm curious into what is something that you've been working on recently that, you know, like what just what's been going on with sin recently?
1: Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, basically, like I work uh, so often and so much, um, really all the time. I am. Um, busy doing something almost every single day. Uh, And some of those days are things that are breaks, that are fun things for me to do. Like I just came back from Chicago. I was there for um, like nine days and visiting a friend and I went to Riot Fest. Uh, But Mm. even there, I shot some content with a model and I did a tickling session. So, you know, it's just kind of like when you do the sort of work that I do, you You're basically never not working, uh, except maybe when you're sleeping. (laughs) Okay. So, um, yeah. So what I do for a living now really is produce my own content, produce custom videos. And um, I do all that via, you know, um, an endless mountain of emails uh, that never really it's a it's a Sissipian, uh task the the email inbox and um, yeah. and then uh, you know run like trying to keep my OnlyFans running and just you know a plethora of other activities that are usually related to trying to keep all those you know uh, plates spinning so that the so that I can make a good living.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Um, and yeah. And that's always fascinating to me because, you know, from the outside, even as a young kid, no matter what the field is, it's like you want to be your own boss. And I know, not to put words in your mouth, it's probably rewarding and awesome in a way that you're producing your own content and you're your own boss. But how was that adjustment or was there an adjustment for you from just being a performer to now a performer, a producer, entrepreneur, a promoter, marketer, all those things in the one.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's interesting because at the time that I was sort of like making that transition, I, I I wasn't even really thinking about it. It was more like you know, for first 10 years of my career, it was uh I was relying on getting hired, getting bookings. And when you get a booking, you just get a one-time payment for your performance or your modeling, whatever it is. Um, so that's always nice to like get a check and then go home and not really have to think about it anymore. That those were easier times in my life for sure. But, um, (laughs) but you know, the savings account wasn't really like growing, um, in the same way. And, uh, so then the other thing about that was when Pornhub sort of, it was a big like shakeup in the industry and. For the first few years, you know, um, like the companies just didn't have the money to be hiring in the same ways that they were before. So I saw my income dwindling and sort of stagnating and I was getting concerned and I had had some people ask me about making custom videos. And I think even at the time, like many vids had reached out to me and they were like, hey, you make content, right? You should Open a store with us, and I, I remember even writing them back and being like, "No, I don't make content." <laughs> <laughs> of course, now I have a mini vid store with like almost a thousand clips in it, but, <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, so so that was going on, and uh, I was like, you know, I think maybe this custom video thing, I got to figure this out. So I put on my wish list like a little Sony handycam and like a twenty five dollar studio light. And an editing program, and I had a friend in the industry teach me how to edit for, like, a six-pack of beer. And um, Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was just, like, the basics. Um, And then I just kind of started, and um, my boyfriend at the time, he's my husband now, I was like, okay, well, I need you to shoot these things. So I already had experience running camera um, with producers, and so I taught him what I knew about that and then I showed him the basics of what I had learned about editing. And, um, and I was like, you know, if you want to do this with me, like you, you let's get this going. And um, it started off very slow, but you know, as the years went by and then now it's to the point where, you know, I can't even manage it all <laughs> with the custom.
0: Right.
1: So, but what's awesome is that, you know, I taught my partner Drake how to do camera and how to edit. And then he really is just he's just such a jack of all trades that like like teaching him skills like that. He then took them and then elevated them to the next levels. Um, and so now, like, I would trust him to shoot a scene over me shooting a scene like all day. I would just be like, you do it. You're better at it now. You know,
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, and same thing with editing. So he does the camera work and the editing um, and he's he lighting and everything for our company. Uh, and so, yeah, so that, that's kind of how it all started. And then it just grew from there. It was slow, but, uh, then we were able to like upgrade our equipment the first time. And then we were able to upgrade our equipment a second time. And, you know, now we just have this production company. So, uh, so I will say that, you know, definitely life was simpler when I was just getting hired. Um, and I wasn't really considering that that shift to, you know, sort of running my own company. Um, and it is a tremendous amount of work. But at the same time, you know, what you're talking about with um, being your own boss is that just the freedom that I have in my life um, that, you know, I, I first noticed it when I was like, well, I don't have to live in Los Angeles or so- Southern California anymore. I'm not rely on those bookings like I can really go do what I want from wherever I want to do it from and um so that was super freeing uh so I mean currently I live in Las Vegas which is also another big hub for um content creators and adult right but um you know I lived in my van for three years and just was shooting customs and doing what I wanted and traveling the country and you know, we, we are hoping to get back to that some point within the next couple years. Um, but yeah, it's just ultimately like, though it is a lot more work and responsibility um, and even pressure kind of, it is also very much worth the freedom and the control over my own life experience for me to be able to take time off when I need to or when I want to or when I'm not feeling good or any of those things, like, to not be so reliant on, um, you know, uh, a boss or, you know, I don't have to ask permission to go on a vacation or whatever. So, to me, it's just, like, when I weigh those things against each other, against, you know, sort of the more, uh, like, reliability of maybe a regular paycheck or something, Uh, Just the freedom is beyond worth it to me. For me,
0: (laughs) no, absolutely, no. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because that's, that's the truth. I think like a lot of times, all of us can be guilty. We see the the freedom and the positives, and those are there, but we don't see the work that goes into it, and it's a grind. And even people just see the one sidedness of like, well, you're your own boss and you're, you're making good money. But the work, the effort, the stress, like you said, the learning, all these different new skills um, and the constant learning and growing you have to do. And and even that balance of relying on yourself, but then relying on other people for your business, like and being, you know, balanced with that. It's all a lot of stuff that I think gets overlooked when it comes to people being content creators and owning their own business. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you shared that.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm happy to share it. And, you know, I think, I think especially when people talk about sex work and, you know, exploitation and all this other stuff, it's like, I, you know, my husband worked, uh, he was a diesel mechanic before we got together and he started working like as part of my company and, you know, he'll tell you, like, I've never felt more exploited in my life than when I was working as a diesel mechanic because, you know, like he is literally destroying his own body so that the owner of the company who owns the diesel, um, the, the diesel company that he used to work for, like, that guy can get rich on the back of my husband's labor who needed back surgery at twenty. Mm-hmm um and so now you know we live a life where we are we are the bosses of our life and he's like I've you know this is the least exploited I've felt my entire life and that's him you know like fucking me on camera to make money so I just it's important for people to to realize that I, I that you know that word exploitation can be used sort of like as a weapon against the very people it's sort of claiming to want to watch out for um and save you know
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely and I'm glad you said that because that's something that I've even heard I can say within the past couple years is you know you know people like to and as someone who you know not just doing this podcast but is into you know this type of work and field you know you you advocate but I never even looked at it at this point where I've seen people come up to like professional athletes and it's like, well, you use your body for money and that's okay, but what's wrong for a sex worker? And it was like, damn, that's absolutely true. And yeah. That's right.
1: A hundred percent. And especially like, and I mean, you know, they might be saying like, well, it's sex workers though, but it's, you know, emotionally it's um, psychologically, you know, problematic. It's like, I don't know, but you're okay with a football player um, bashing his head over and over and over again knowing that that can lead to chronic traumatic encephalitis
0: mm-hmm. which
1: could lead to them harming themselves or their loved ones or fucking animals or you know like yeah. things that we know happen that we've seen happen that we have the science to back up and Yet for some reason that's okay. It, it's only us that need saving because we're naked and we're fucking, and um, as though we don't have agency over our own decisions in that case. So I'm always trying to you know sort of point that out and, and hope that it helps people maybe um, sort of lo- look through, look at these things from a different perspective, and maybe with a little bit of um, with more critical eye.
0: No, absolutely. And I'm glad you're doing that. And and before I I move on to something else, I just wanted to follow up on something. What was that like living in your van and traveling around for a few years and like creating content? And uh, I'm guessing you went across the whole U.S. or were you in a certain area? But what was that experience like?
1: Oh yeah, it was amazing. It was like again, you want to talk about freedom? It was like <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what most... I'm, I'm. I'm jealous. Like that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the most freeing. Um that, you know, my, my partner and I have ever sort of felt. Um, and I think just like with any other adventurous thing that you do with your life, it, there are lots and lots of positives. And then there are some negatives. There's a lot that you have to get used to, but um, you know, it, you're just weighing that balance. Like in the, in the end, the outcome is uh, a, a result that is beyond worth it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was, it was amazing. And yeah, we traveled all over the entire country. We have driven through literally every state, uh, in the United States. Um, all of the ones that are here on the mainland, uh, with our van. And then, you know, we've traveled to Hawaii, our van, (laughs) we just rented our, um, on the Hawaiian islands, but, Uh, But yeah, 2018, we drove all the way to Alaska and we drove all around most of the parts that you can actually drive to in Alaska, which is surprisingly not that much. Um, (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah. There's basically like when you, well, okay, we haven't gone to the sort of southern, south, uh, eastern part of Alaska, which is sort of that little tip that's still attached to Canada. But the mainland part, you basically can drive in and then you go down to Anchorage and you can go down to the uh, Kenai Peninsula and drive around that and then back up through Anchorage and then you can go up to Denali National Park and you can go to uh, Fairbanks. And from there, you pretty much go back to Canada. You can drive to the gates of the Arctic National Park, which is the, the northernmost part, but getting gas is extremely sketchy because there's there's just nothing there it is alaska is the most incredible driving to alaska is the most incredible thing i've ever done in my life and it's really? a, when i tell people about it i'm just like please 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 put that on your bucket list for life like if you see one natural uh, incredible thing and i haven't seen the whole world but I've seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was just... That was... Uh, the words... It's hard to find the words to describe like how profound that was. So, highly recommend it.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I have family who have gone to Alaska and have talked about it and talked about just kind of what you said. And they've gone at the different times of year when it's dark for 20 hours or when it's sunlight for 20 hours. And, yep. But you know, just how amazing it really is. And yeah.
1: I, now You can look at pictures and see little video clips and stuff, but it's just nothing that nothing compares to actually standing there and seeing that pure, like majesty surrounding you. It's breathtaking.
0: That's incredible. That's so cool though. Like, I love yeah. that. I love. That. <laughs> so I guess I kind of want to ask, were you someone who always was kind of interested or curious about, you know, sexuality and getting into sex work? Were you, a, were you kind of vanilla growing up? Like <laughs> what kind of led you on this, this path to, to be this, you know, AVN winner, future hall of famer.
1: Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah.
0: I'm throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah,
1: you keep your fingers crossed on that one. Maybe the more people talk about it, it might actually happen someday, but. um It
0: will. It will. I believe positive, positive. Yeah. Thinking.
1: Um, yeah. So let's see. I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just that from the time I was a very small kid, I was really, really, I've always been into performance. I've always been on stages, uh, you know, uh, family gatherings. If someone had a, you know, VHS video camera, um, I would be jumping in front of it, doing a little song, (laughs) uh, you know, I was in, um, community theater since I was like eight or nine and then, um, middle school, high school, drama, theater, show choir, singing, uh, dancing. So just, that's just my nature. Um, my, both my parents were English teachers, but my dad was also a drama teacher at the high school that I ended up. Oh, cool. so. so it's just kind of been in me. Um, you know, went to Shakespeare festivals when I was younger with my grandpa, who was also an English teacher. So (laughs) just always been interested in those things. And um, about the age that I was hitting puberty and, you know, getting those hormones in my body, I just, I had never seen porn um, beyond like some easy writer magazines that I found at my friend's house which was like a motorcycle style playboy (laughs) (laughs) and so but I remember like looking at that magazine and being just like intrigued not not repulsed by any means being like this is exciting to me um and I think at the time I was too I wasn't uh I was too, a little too young to know what my sexuality was at that time, but definitely looking at these women and being like, I want to do that too. Like I want that also. Um, so, and again, I had never seen like porno video or anything like that. And, but yeah, when I was in eighth grade, I was telling everyone I want to be a porn star when I grow up. And then when I got into high school, I was like, I want to be a stripper when I grow up and, here we are. So I, I don't know why, except for I think it's just that um, I have always been a sort of sexually curious or at least interested person. Um, I like the erotic. I like sexuality. I've always been an exhibitionist in that sense of liking to perform and be watched, whether it's just, you know, the Wizard of Oz I'm performing on stage or whether I'm eating pussy and fucking with my strap on. Like, I just <laughs> I like <laughs> Um, I like that kind of attention, and uh, so to me, it was just really natural. It was really, really natural, and I went searching for it when I was 18. I went out and found it for myself, so I always say I'm one of the only people I know that grew up to do exactly what I wanted to do.
0: <laughs> no, that's really cool. I love that. I love because everyone's story is different and unique, Yeah, and it's cool to hear. I, I think it's fascinating that for all of us, no matter what we do, how those other things that you, and maybe you thought a little bit, but like the fact that like you were into theater and doing those, like how like our journey leads us to where we're to our, just des- our destination. And we don't realize it. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's so fascinating and you think like, when am I going to use this stuff or when this doesn't apply to this, but like, you see that it does. And that's so cool. Like all those community theater things helped you to be a great performer and be natural in front of the camera. And it's like, you probably didn't think back then that, yeah, I'm going to use this skill and talent in this way. But I think that's so awesome.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) And you know, the way you were, when you were telling that story, I was like, man, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't go down that same path and be an English teacher. (laughs) <laughs> like, like I was like man
1: no, no 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 the like the one thing I knew from growing up in a family of teachers was that I absolutely did not want to be a teacher
0: <laughs> yes yes Fuck them. yes
1: like I mean I, I yeah I'm happy teachers exist I wish they were paid better I wish they were treated better um, I think it's fucking abysmal what's happening in this country right now, specifically like two educators. I mean, in a million different things, but specifically mm-hmm. the educators, you know, like they're uh they're just being treated horribly and um their value is pff, they're not valued at all. So um I have so much respect for that job, obviously growing up in that life, but it was just I saw the thanklessness. I saw now my mom is an incredible teacher and she has students from 25 years ago that she's still friends with, uh, students that grew up to teach at the college at the, at the high school that she taught at, um, and still reaching out to her all the time to tell her the impact that she made in their lives. But, you know, I saw just, um, what the paychecks were. And, um, I heard always about the parents and they they can be terrible and, the administration uh, um it's just such a nightmare and i was like and then again that lack of freedom that i Mm. didn't i did not appreciate that so yeah Uh, so i'm an english teacher in my own way i correct everyone's grammar
0: no uh (laughs) (laughs) sin you are hitting so i am also the son of a teacher the grandson of a teacher uh and Aunt, on both sides, you know, aunts, great aunts, uncles, all are teachers. And I say the same thing, which is for someone who is not in that field, you won't find, I guess, except for like yourself, like someone who respects that and admires it so much. But growing up in it, it's why and seeing how it's become. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the positives, like, because just like what you said, I, you know, have been out at a restaurant with my mom. And a student comes up to her and is, like knows who she is, and they're referencing. And I'm like, "How? When? This guy looks pretty old. Like, no offense, but I'm like, when did did he still remembers? And it's from like he he mentions like, "Remember uh, you took my like my 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 uh, Pink Floyd album? I was and I'm like, "Gosh, you're from that long ago? And right. you still remember my mom? And it's like it's cool. It's like see that impact like, that's awesome. But then you're right, just seeing where, especially where it's gone over the years, and the lack of support, the lack of pay. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I give people so much credit who still fight the fight. But I, yeah, I knew from the inside, it it just wasn't for me.
1: Yeah, just definitely not. And I mean, it was the same. I don't know, maybe I was just more observant, or something. But for me, like watching, You know, my mom trying to juggle being a teacher, which is like you go to work at you you get up for work at five o'clock in the morning. You go Mm -hmm. at
0: 730.
1: You stay after. You get home at five. Then you have to make your family dinner. Then you have to grade papers all night Mm -hmm. until you go to bed. Then you wake up and you do it again. And even on the weekends, maybe you get to sleep in a little bit. But then you're grading essays all weekend. And, you know, I was just like, not only do I not want that uh and oh but you get two weeks you get two months off in the summer i no i don't care that's not enough um yeah. and the other thing is is just that yeah i saw that you know i was um an ungrateful teenager and there was no and, and that's okay i mean that's just being a kid but it's like um looking back now to see all of that pressure that was on my mom and that like I had I had no means to even understand um, how grateful I should have been at the time. Like now I can be very grateful and I try to, you know, let her know that and that she was amazing in so many ways. But um but yeah, I was like I don't want a kid either.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Like I don't want that ungrateful shit, like not understanding and, and that's the thing is like there's no metric for a kid to even be able to, to comprehend that. And, um, no, thanks.
0: <laughs> no, I'm with you. It's, it's...
1: <laughs> so I really like learned from my parents example, at least in this, in the sense of what I didn't want with my life. So.
0: <laughs> same, same. Yeah. I, I learned yeah. not as well as you. Cause then I got into counseling, you know, drug and alcohol counseling and social work. So.
1: Oh, that's cool though. oh thank you yeah i was really into drug and alcohol counseling um i thought that might be something i wanted to pursue as well but i almost think it's not as good as someone who's never been in that position i feel like the better counselors are ones who have sort of lived through that experience but i'm not sure what do you think
0: i think it's There's a point to it. There is something to that. I think you don't actually have to have the same. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You have to be able to relate. Yeah. So I've had to tell people. So for me, I will tell people in my groups, like, yes, I was, I had to go to go away for a little bit. You went to rehab, but I went for my mental health. Yeah. And it's different. Yeah. But does it kind of overlap for sure?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: I go to support groups for my mental health. You're going to AA. Is it different? Yeah. Does it overlap? For sure. Definitely. There's plenty of experience. A lot of times I'm talking to people who grew up as a mix of people. And it's like, hey, addiction, this disease hits everybody, no matter where you're from or how old you are or your race, religion, what, yeah. whatever. But it's like certain people had a lot of privileges who were my patients who I'm like, yeah, you never had to go through what I did being a person of color. So it's like, yeah, showing people like that. Like, and it's like, guess what? The people who have helped me, like outside of family, are people who didn't look anything like me, didn't do like it, just very different, but yet they still were able to help and kind of explaining that definition. Like, it's great to have that support group, and that's why you have it of people who do know your battles, but you appreciate empathy more. When it's someone who may never know what you're going through, but they're still listening and they're still there for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what empathy is kind of all about.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that was a little bit of a battle at first, not a bad one, to be honest. Other people got, I saw them get it way worse.
1: Yeah, but kind of yeah.
0: having to explain that, and patients did get it because yeah. then it's also oh. like I told my stories, and I'm like we can go back and forth here. And a lot of times I'm like, I can probably get top you, you know? So, but what's that going to prove? Like we're still right here.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Uh, I think that addiction is, it is mental health. Um, and mm
0: -hmm.
1: I just, I think it's so tragic that we have this country set up to treat addiction, uh, like a crime when it's very clearly, um, trauma based and mental health based and things like that and um, I wish I wish we had a better way of dealing with it you know I love what Portugal did many years ago by decriminalizing um, you know drugs and drug possession and drug use and things like that and instead you know um, being supportive like when people need that help because they're in a desperate place with addiction it's like we provide that help rather than throwing you in prison and taking away your freedom. You know, I just think it's really tragic.
0: No, for sure. And, um, kind of, I learned and what helps me and it's weird because when I meet people who are they're in college or grad school, whatever, and they're looking to get in the field and they're like, you see that. And you hate to judge it, not judge it, but like, Oh no, they had that look like I'm going to save the world. And it's like, I sit there and they're like, what can you tell me about this? And I'm like, I don't want to crush your dreams. I don't want to lie to you either.
1: Yeah.
0: How are we going to do this song and dance? And it's kind of like, I tell them, like, you can't save the world. You don't, you're not a savior. Like, you can help somebody, but you can't save people. And people yeah. look at me and I go, it takes the pressure off. A, it's a couple things what kind of ego do you have where you're like, I can save you. Like, you know, you're trying to survive every day yourself. Like, who are you to be like, I can save you. But it's like, yeah, I'll meet someone halfway, but I can't do it all. I can't do your sobriety for you. I can't do your mental health for you. And it's kind of, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess like it's invigorating a little bit because it's like, yeah, like, yeah, I'll meet you halfway, but it's not on me to do it all for you. And, hey, I'm sorry for whatever. You know, everyone has a story. Yeah, I'm sorry for how you got here. But I've had to tell people this, not too many times, because I do, I can say, knock on wood, I've had a good rapport with patients and clients. Um, but it's like, if I put you here, I would own it. If I was a part of this, I would own it. But I'm not the reason why you're here. So you're not gonna put that on me that your life is falling apart because of me. I go, if I am ever a part of that, I'll be the first one to say my fault. So I'm here to help, but you're not gonna put point the finger at me of why you're here. That's not gonna fly.
1: Yeah, of course. Certainly not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's kinda like, yeah, take the ego out, like it kind of helps. Like you're not a savior. You're not gonna you could help and 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 also learning the definitions of help. Sometimes that help may just be you don't save them, but you you were a good ear to listen to that day, or you gave them a resource to call, and that's helping. You, you know what I mean? But
1: yeah, we of see
0: course. we see like the home runs, and hey, I guess if you work in it long enough, you do have those kind of moments, but that's very rare. Sometimes you take the single and you get on base.
1: <laughs> exactly. <You know.
0: laughs> but no, it's uh, it's it's interesting, and so those who have listened, they've heard me mention because other people have said whether they're dominatrix or session wrestling, um, they have that theater kind of like background. So I'm kind of intrigued. So
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah, I do wrestling stuff too. I've always done that as well.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's where I first saw you. You excellent. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. I saw you... Uh, I saw two. I saw you wrestling Jen Thomas and Mutiny.
1: Yeah. Oof. Um. Yeah, probably a long time ago. I don't know.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it was a while ago. But that, that was the first times I saw you, and then I've seen other other things. But, like, that was the first... I was like, "Oh, okay. She's she's awesome." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um how so were there things that were kind of an adjustment for you? Like I know you were a natural performer, but what was that like kind of early on getting in front of the camera?
1: Um I mean, I remember being, you know, like the first time I ever went and shot a a pro sex scene. I remember being um like kind of intimidated a little bit because I was definitely working with some other professionals, you know, who'd been around for a while, but, um, but the girl that I worked with was like, super understand, like, you know, she knew it was my first time. And so she was really uh, positive attitude, very encouraging. Um, so she really made me feel pretty great. And then, uh, and then I was just like doing my thing. I mean, to me, it was never, it just, it all felt so natural the first time I was uh, um, the first time I went on stage to dance as a stripper uh, and the first time I did a photo shoot a nude sex photo shoot and the first time I performed on camera it was all just pretty uh, exhilarating and thrilling and um, just natural for me just felt right so mm. I didn't struggle with any of that at all Um so- and now here I am, just completely jaded, just all the way through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> this this might be a little bit of a weird question, so forgive me, but um, do you feel like when you're performing, and it could be you know from when you were growing up in community theater to performing now? Do you feel like that's when you're kind of your most comfortable self, like your more most natural self, like when you're performing?
1: Um, yeah, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. That's a hard one to answer only because, um, you know, I, I am always just my natural self. Like, I don't know if that makes me weird or something, but I just don't. I, I just don't have like the tolerance or the patience to like pretend to be something for different people, depending on who I'm with or talking to, like, I'm just like, the only thing I've ever been able to be is me. And that just continues. So like, um, right. so yeah, like when I, I'd say it's more like when I'm performing was okay. When I'm live performance, when I do a live performance, which I have one coming up in Las Vegas at the scores nightclub, I'm performing with Daisy Ducati and a bunch of other girls. We're doing um, like, Oh, a, cool. Yeah. Like a Halloween themed um, performance there scores October 7th in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like when I, get the chance to do a live performance in front of an audience. I mean, that is, I don't want to say it's like my most natural self or whatever, but it's definitely my most, um, it's like the most adrenaline rushing through my veins, like the best, the best natural high, uh, for sure. Yeah. Loving that. Um, and then when I do a scene with someone, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, doing what i want to do with them i am just like satiating my desire uh with no no consent and permission to do so so yeah that's just me feeling good and having fun but you know noticing where the camera is at the same time so that i can make a good performance as well so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm not sure if i'm answering that question no
0: um (laughs) you are you are you are it's a it's a tough one and I I ask it only because out of like selfishly like connecting and and like I talk about like doing social work and drug and alcohol and then even like doing podcasting like what you say about live performance the most natural high is when and it doesn't you know but you know I think we we all if we think about it know when you're having that conversation that it's just it's clicking and it's just being real and it's going places that you you didn't you cannot plan on it and it's just that it feels like nothing else is happening around you and it's just you and this person or if it's a few people you know but it's just no you know what I mean
1: yes that's I definitely get that when um and when I'm doing certain scenes yeah especially if it's if the other person is kind of like open to connecting on that level with me and then we are doing it we're having that really connected experience um oh man yeah you know i this movie called soul by disney it's like a disney pixar movie it's yeah Mm -hmm. my favorite one um they would call it you know like being in the zone and so yeah there's nothing better
0: (laughs) awesome awesome and i'm I'm also going to, because if you're a Pixar fan, I'm going to piggy, I'm going to go back to that later and, and talk to you about Pixar, too, so oh, that totally. is awesome. That is really awesome. Um, but I, it's weird, and I, and I know, so you definitely answered, I appreciate it, because it's a weird one, because I've had this conversation with people, especially over the pandemic, that, for me, like, when I do this, when I do a podcast, it's me and my realist self but I'm also when I'm outside I'm not doing a podcast I'm not being fake but I guess and sometimes I try to change it it's kind of me at my best self in a way yeah like um it's when I do a podcast when I've started one I'm just like hey you know what you 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 think about it but then it's like hey we're gonna do it it's not gonna be perfect I'm gonna learn the mistakes we're gonna grow. If it's an episode or the audio was off, ah, oh, man, disappointed. You learn from it. You move on. Fine. Me in real life can definitely get into my head. Not definitely. I do it way too much. Of like, <laughs> you overthink it. Like you want it to be perfect, even though you know it can't be perfect. Yeah. You Overthink it so much that you don't even start because you're just like, ah, oh, oh, I don't want to screw up. And then it's like you're you you know you're not present. Yeah, you try to be present and it's like it's not being fake, but it's and that's why I try to like change it up. It's like that is me. Those are, you know, we're all flawed people. So those flaws are me. But it's like in this world, I don't, you know, oh I made a mistake or man, maybe I didn't ask that question. I may listen back. I didn't ask that question. Right. It's like for a second. It's like, damn it. And that's like, all right, work on how to, you know, get that question out quicker. And I move on to the next one. I don't let it weigh me down. You yeah. Know what I mean?
1: And I think that's like, I mean, that's just my philosophy on um, pretty much all of life in general is just, you know, a- every single thing that happens is an opportunity to take that experience and learn from it, apply it to your life, um hmm. and try to uh try to be better, but without that without having anxiety about it or overthinking it, you know, just okay so you made a mistake let's look at the mistake what led us to it and how we can be better next time um and I totally get what you mean about the podcasting so I literally just recorded the very first episode of me trying to do my own podcast
0: oh congrats
1: thank you and um I went into it like I didn't have anything written down I didn't do any research you know I was just like this is what this is what I want the podcast to be I knew that Um, I had a a few questions in mind that I specifically wanted to ask, but then, you know, just let the conversation flow. And we were saying things that I think mattered. And um, I got in the stuff that I wanted to get in. And then when it was done, everyone was like, that was great. Like, this is going to be really good. And then I felt super proud and empowered. And I was like, you know, this little bit of imposter syndrome I was feeling for a moment. It's just, you know, just steamroll over that shit (laughs) and do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll realize like, oh, you can do it. You can really, you can do anything. You just got to try.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, um, (laughs) that's awesome. Now it's the first episode. Is that published? Is it out there?
1: No, no. I want to probably about seven or eight episodes before I start actually releasing them. So because uh, I just have such an incredibly busy schedule and I'm I'm busy doing stuff every single day. And so I want to make sure that I have a backlog. Uh,
0: That is very smart. And (laughs) I do two podcasts and this one. I love this. uh, But that is that has been the hardest part about it is is, yeah, trying to have enough so you can be consistent But then you kind of burn out a little bit because you're doing you're like, oh, I I have six interviews in you know, eight days. How did this happen? And then I'm like, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to take a break and just whatever happens, happens. And then when everyone's kind of like people say yes, but they're busy. And then I'm like, oh, man, but there's a gap. Then it's like, oh, that's why I did the other way, too. Now I remember. So great move. Yeah. Having that backlog before. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously run, um, my own clip stores as well right now. And if I don't, if I don't post an update, um, three times a week, then the stores start to suffer. So it's just that that's, that's the thing about being a content creator. It's, um, you want to have a little backlog and then you have to be consistent. <laughs> it's the only way to be su- to, to be successful is that consistency.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, is you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but I kind of like to ask people because chemistry can be different for everyone. So what's, if you can describe it, what's that feeling or what's it like when, you know, because you're a professional, you've done it and, you know, it's a job, but there are times when it's like, I'm sure like, man, that chemistry with So and so was just amazing. Or every time you work with so and so, it's just we just click, and it's just that chemistry is there. What's that feeling, and what's that that like when you you just had that chemistry with that person?
1: Mm. It's like warm caramel sliding (laughs) down your throat and tickling every taste bud along the way.
0: Wow, (laughs) I love that answer. That's a great
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's just um, uh, it's so, it's such like a fulfilling um f- feeling and uh yeah. just like the familiarity and the it's sort of like a comfort almost and um it's just delectable. Like I don't know but to know that, you know, you're you're going to be able to, ha- you're, that the kissing is going to feel great, that the touching is going to be fire, that the eye contact will be there. That just, and mm, it's like a hug. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> now,
0: that warm, so I have a follow up, that warm, when it comes to at least performing, that warm caramel feeling. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like? that can be kind of like developed over time when yes. it comes to performing, or do you feel like it's a natural, either you got it or you don't?
1: Oh, no. I, I think it anything, all, all of the above, like, uh, you know, with some people, like I've had that with someone that uh, sh- I showed up on set. I did not know her. I, we had never met the scene felt that way. And then I never saw her again. Um, and I have had it with people that I've performed with numerous times. Um, And I have, you know, done a scene three or four times with someone that was, you know, it was a great scene. I'm sure it looked amazing from the outside. It felt good, fine enough, but it didn't feel like that deep connection of chemistry. Um, And then I did another scene with them and all of a sudden there it was, so, you know, any, anything is possible. There's potential for, anything to happen, uh, when that, when it comes to that. But, um, you know, I think it just really depends on the other person and what, know what they're kind of like open to. And yeah, it, it can be there with anyone and it's not, it's not there with everyone. And I think, uh, people can learn to be that way. Of course, of course, definitely. I, I hope that when, you know my hope is always that when someone decides to become a performer that they are seeking to be that way but you know a lot of people are just like oh shit I can make a lot of money doing this so I'm just gonna do that (laughs) and then I'm gonna just do what I've seen other people do uh, which you know that leads to just sort of like inauthenticity and stuff and that that's always hard for me to deal with if the person I'm working with is that way Um, Mm -hmm. then I just have to kind of like compartmentalize it and be like okay well this is what they're gonna bring so I'm just gonna like do my best
0: (laughs) now because and that's interesting because you're a pro and you're great at your job like uh, someone like me who is a fan but not and I've done like a a little bit of film work like over I've honestly over the past like year like a couple so I'm learning so I'm a rookie where you're you're you know an all-star so like, it's different, but like, I probably wouldn't, I would just see, wow, Sin, that's an amazing scene. You guys look great. But like, for you, like, you know, like, all right, this other performer really wasn't, they're not authentic. Like you said, or they're, it's just a just showing up. Do you see the difference? Like, or is it like, you've been doing it for a while, you know, how to like overcome it. And you're kind of like, I don't, I don't see like I see like it still looks good. Or like, do you kind of like notice like, yeah, like it's off?
1: Well, I don't watch Night Make. That's for damn sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't watch really any of them. There was a time period, probably in the mid two thousands or around the time I started like getting um, more popular, that I did start watching some of my scenes. Um, just cause I wanted to like improve and get better at what I was doing, but I don't watch them now. So I would just say that like, it's not about seeing it cause I don't see them, but it is all about feeling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I have scenes that I've done where, you know, people always go, Oh, what's your favorite scene? So I don't um, answer those questions anymore. They get w- asked way too often. Um, what's your favorite scene and who's your favorite person to work with? Like, Nope, not answering that. I'm like, right, whatever's your favorite. That's the best one then, isn't it? Um and so then they'll tell me that what their favorite is. And you know, sometimes it's a scene that stands out in my head as being like really awful that I didn't like at all, um, because I know how fake it was. And then they're like, That was that's the one I love the most and I'm I'm not gonna take that away from them. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like if you love that one and you thought you saw, you know, that in there, then fucking great that's awesome i'm glad somebody saw it (laughs) and then usually a lot of people did um whereas you know me being in that scene me being the one touching kissing having sex with this other person like i know the true story (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so you know i i think it's just kind of like uh, it's just like what all artists say you know um once you make the art and you put it out into the world, it's not yours anymore. It's the world's. So, you know, like, one of my favorite artists is Bright Eyes, and I listen to his songs, and I know what they mean to me. It's interesting to hear the story of maybe what he wrote it for or who he wrote it for or about, but even he has said, like, you know, it's about what you get out of it way more than what I meant out of it. And... So that's just, it's the same thing. Like everyone's gonna react to that piece of art differently and get something different out of it than maybe what the intention was, but that's okay. Like it's not mine, it's yours.
0: <laughs> no, uh, and you see, we're on that same wavelength. I was just gonna say that because you, I, you what you're doing is art and you are an artist. And I was just gonna say, Pretty much the same thing like i the past over since the pandemic i've done podcasting for years and this is the closest thing i've so far done to art but like what, um what'd you say
1: i said oh it is you know kind oh. of content is is art it's just you know how how are we gonna what lens are we viewing it through um and yeah you know like i'm not a fan of you know logan paul but through a certain lens, like that's art. So no,
0: no, same. I, I'm, I'm same one. Both. I'm not a fan of local Paul, and but I, I can respect that the work that it does. Like you don't just get that many followers consistently without putting in work. Do I agree with the workness or like it myself? No, but absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it, but I can see. Like I know, like you're he puts work in to get. You don't just. Yeah. Get that yeah. and consistently get that without putting in that work and yeah. tapping into an audience. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's it's funny because over the pandemic, like I've done podcasting for a while, but I can honestly say from like 2013 to like 2019, the the podcast that I were doing it didn't last very long, and really the people who listened were like friends and some family, right? So it's a little bit different where, like, doing a podcast, a a couple of them, where there's, like, people you don't know are listening and, like, writing to you. And it's, like, it's humbling and it's very cool. But then, like, by the numbers or even sometimes by, like, what they write to you, they're picking an episode that you're, like, oh, really? That's the one.
1: Oh, my God, yes.
0: (laughs) It's, like, that's the one you look? I was, like, because then you have those that you're, like, man, this and it's like clockwork every time where I'm like, this one, people are going to grab, like, I, I was feeling that. you People have to feel it. And then you see the numbers and, like, well, no one? I thought people would. No one's saying anything. And then you do another one where, like, it was cool. It was good. And it, the numbers are going crazy. And people are like, I loved it. And I'm like, thank you. And deep down, I'm like, I don't, really? Yes. It's like, and I, I'm happy, but this is weird.
1: Totally. And that's just content creation. something sounds- mm-hmm. And that's just content creation so you know now i'm mainly publishing custom videos or content trades which is usually just sex scenes with other girls or maybe a little fetish things we make but um but when i was like trying to come up with my own ideas more um i'd be like oh yes this is fucking fire like this is so good oh people are gonna love this and then and then I see the sales and I'm just like, wow, this didn't really resonate with people as much as it resonated so much with me. Um, and then feeling really disappointed by that. But then seeing some shit that I made that's that I was like, "Ugh, no one's going to buy this. But whatever. It's a clip. It's an update. I'm putting it up there. And then just tons of sales. And so there's just not there's no way to know what the reception is ever going to be uh, to something. That right. They- and, um, so anymore, I will just pretty much make any type of content. Like if someone comes over to shoot content trade and they're like, well, what sells for you? I'm like, I, I don't even really know. So what sells for you? Let's make it. Cause I just need, I just need content updates. So I've, I'm happy to make anything because it's all fun for me. Um, and because I, I never know what's going to sell. So, you know, mm. Let's just make something fun that we like.
0: <laughs> right, right. And that's okay. So that I was going to ask you that, like balancing, because you always hear it in everything of like, you know, whether it's music, artists, content creating of like, there's this project that you want to do, but then you're doing like the big, you know, like, you know, say this person is actor or actress wants to do like this deep project that means so much to them, but then they do like, you know, I love Marvel movies, but let's just go with it. They do like a Marvel movie, which is like the commercial thing to like, all right, they get paid, and then they want to do this passion project that means a lot to them. It might be critically cool, but people aren't going to watch. So I was going to ask, like, how do you balance, because there's things with podcasting, or when I think about like filming, that I'm like, I always wanted to see it. I think it'll be really cool, but it's like if people were like, we like this, we like this, it's like, how do you balance out giving, you know, because we are, it is commercial, it is a business, giving that commercial thing, but also creating the content that is very passionate and personal to you.
1: Yeah. um, You know, that is a tough one. And I, so here we are just um, trapped by, the boundaries of capitalism and correct and um you know like I didn't choose this life this is the world that I was born into and I must participate if I want to feed myself and have a roof over my head. So I ha- you know I, I think everyone makes a decision uh over what is gonna be like a meaningful life for them and um i think that the balance for me would it would maybe be with like the custom video thing so that you know the custom video thing is i'm going to make the video that you pay for uh and that will be me participating in the capitalism that i need to that gives me that income um with the other stuff that i do like if i'm making stuff because it's what i want to be making like OnlyFans is a great example. I know I could make a ton of more money if I took my OnlyFans and handed it off to a company and had them run it for me. But I really, really struggle with the fact that it would be completely inauthentic. That, you know, my fans who joined because they like me as a person and then now they're talking to not me, someone who's not me pretending to be me, Um Or like if I kept my mouth shut about social issues and political issues, not only on podcasts, but um, on my Twitter and whatever else Mm
0: -hmm.
1: platforms, like I could keep my mouth shut about all that stuff. I would have a lot more followers, I'm sure, Um, because, yeah, when the 2020 stuff was going down, I got on that platform and I said how I felt and I lost followers and but I feel strongly like if if these are things that you support, like I don't even want your fucking money. Like, please don't look at my shit. So, right. you know, it's just that for me, I don't want to die on the biggest pile of money. That's not what my goal is in life. Like, I recognize very deeply that I am going to die and that I have this brief amount of time. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a lot more time, but I can't know that and Mm -hmm. what is going to be what is going to make my experience here on earth meaningful to me money makes it um less stressful it makes it um you know just knowing that I have some financial security that I don't have to stress about like how I'm gonna feed myself like I am so grateful for that but but getting more and more and more and more of it is not is not something that I personally find to be, um, a valuable life experience. So, you know, for me, it's like that being authentic to myself, to my fans, to the, uh, the purpose of my life that I want to be using my platform for, um, that's more meaningful to me. So, Um, That to me, like, that's, that's where I can draw that line of balance. Like, it's important for me to live a life of integrity. It's important for me to inspire people to be more true to themselves to be to live more authentically. Um, Those are the things that matter to me, knowing that I've left a mark in that sense. um, However, small, even if it was only a small handful of people, that is more meaningful to me than making sure I own a home or whatever. Like, I, I mean, I've got no one to leave anything to. Uh, so I just don't see that as having the same kind of value for my life. I don't judge anybody else of the way that they're living their life, but, um, you know, I've thought in depth about all of these things quite a bit and I have reached the conclusion that um, that, this is this is what's more important to me than um you know making a marvel movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> that uh i I couldn't agree more and um well, that was that was perfectly said and and I appreciate your authenticity in that answer and the authenticity you have as an artist like that's really. I admire it because it's the, it's the. I feel the same way, and, and I'm not going to sit here and not say I haven't battled that thought of like, well, do I just do this to be like? I'm not going to lie to you yeah. or the people who are going to be listening, but um, in the end, that's the truth. It's like I, I tell you what, there's no whether you know physical pain is something. And it's real, but there's nothing for me worse than that pain of like you're just looking in the mirror and you just are disgusted with yourself for yeah you're quote you
1: know that that's not to say that um, I haven't struggled with it myself definitely especially you know when I moved to Vegas and um and I'm and, and OnlyFans was was a thing it was like you know twenty when the twenty twenty was happening and people were just making like gobs of money uh, on OnlyFans and I was just like. I remember putting that pressure on myself, like comparing myself to other people um, and really struggling with that. And so it took a lot. And I'm not saying it doesn't even still happen sometimes where I'm like, ah, maybe I should be doing something different so that I can make more money. Um, But I just always come back around to like, it's not about making the most money. It's about enjoying my life. absolutely yeah and doing it from a place of doing it just yeah like with integrity and hopefully kindness
0: (laughs) right right absolutely no it's it's true and it's kind of like sometimes and it's easy but we forget like it's what we got into it in the first place so that like you said before autistic artistic freedom and then it's like you gotta turn around sometimes or do that reflection and be like, Well, what happened? Yeah. And how did I lose that path? So yeah. No, nah, for sure. For sure. Um so just because I'm I'm a nerd of all kinds of I'm a fan of so many things and I like hearing people like what their passions and hobbies are. So you said you, which is really cool that you like Pixar, you name soul. Yeah. So are Are you a Pixar fan, animation fan, like movie fan? What's, what's,
1: oh, yeah. Um, So I love, I love movies. I love watching um, movie analysis. So, like, my, when I go on YouTube, oh my gosh, I watch so many videos about movies. Um,
0: (laughs) Uh, Same here.
1: Yeah. Horror, horror media is my absolute favorite. Um, So, shout out to uh, the Dead Meat Channel and James A. Janice with the Kill Count. That is my favorite favorite youtube channel uh so i love love horror films but um and i like adult animation on tv love that uh otherwise you know i pre- i have a i have a big you know interest in um disney animation disney history i don't know why i'm i'm like Disney is a really interesting thing because it's. I think it's <laughs> like currently one of the worst examples of like cap capitalism really taking over and buying everything, and I think we're heading towards a Brondo idiocracy situation. But mm-hmm. so it's I have a, it's like a love hate because of obviously uh, born in 1983, the golden era of Disney, and I've you know that's. That's ingrained into your, into your being. Um, so I watch a lot of YouTube videos and media about the parks and about the history and, um, and all that. I think it's really interesting. Um, so um, all that said, um, I, I think the Pixar movies are the absolute best. Uh, Soul is my favorite because I love how it deals with, like, what's meaningful in life obviously I just talked about that. So I that, <laughs> that one resonated with me like more than any other, but I think inside out was probably my next favorite. Just the fact that every, every Pixar movie can make you cry, even when you've seen it more than once. <laughs> like I think I just watched WALL-E for the second time a couple of uh, months ago and I'm still fucking crying over it. So it's just, you know, it, awesome. Pixar does it right? It's extremely moving. Um, and even like Encanto was awesome. Like I just, I'll, I'll watch every one that comes out. I have Disney Plus. With, I have to watch Lightyear. Um, I'm looking for. I'm behind to- on that too. Yes.
0: I'm. I'm which I now. It's funny because you're hitting on so many things that I'm like, yes, you are. You are my person. You're my people. Yeah. Because. <laughs> because Disney is like a example of like they're just buying up everything and like huh. we're losing creativity I feel yeah. like and yeah it's like uh-oh but the history of it so like I mean I read like the 900 page biography on Walt Disney I mean it took me forever but yeah. I got it done um <laughs> I stopped and read other books like it was like a that was like a year and a half journey cuz I'm like this is damn 900s a lot Like <laughs> this is big but, like, the history of Disney is so fascinating, and, like, I, I soaked that. I guess because it is such a big institution, and I'm someone, I love history, but I, it's, for me, it's how I learn, like, things just click when I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not good at accepting, like, this is just how it is, I'm kind of like, how did we get here, and can we change it for better, or it is, but, like, I, things click when it's like, oh, I learned how we got to this point or how this became so big and um i was gonna ask because i have disney Plus. did you watch the um and i'm someone who grew up with the disney renaissance in the 90s yeah. did you watch Wake that uh waking sleeping beauty documentary no oh sin 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 you gotta that. watch that
1: i've never even heard of that let me write it down.
0: oh Yeah, you will will love it. I I guarantee you'll find it fascinating because it's about, it's like a behind the scenes of like when Michael Eisner and Frank Wells, they like how Disney almost was like bought out in the mid 80s and they were in that down period.
1: Yeah, I did know about that.
0: And how they like, kind of like turned it around. But while they were growing, there was the infighting and. What led to it like ending, and it's all like the people who were. It's not like oh, outside people talking. It's all like the actual people themselves, the actual animators, studio execs. It's all in their words talking about it, and it has the footage with it.
1: Hmm. Wow. That sounds. Yeah, that sounds really
0: cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
0: So the, the, you that that that's one like I. I've rewatched over and over because it's it's fascinating. It's like shows like changing culture and teamwork, and then it also shows like what happens when you let ego get in the way. And like you kind of said, when it becomes that money grab, so you lose track of like what kind of led you to having this success and turning making these making because like I I didn't to me growing up in this era of Disney. It was just Disney's great. And Mickey Mouse before this, I didn't know how dead animation was for Disney for a while.
1: Yeah. And so. Mm-hmm.
0: No, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's, it's just, it was, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, they were, uh, they were going to not be a thing anymore. Um, there's another really interesting documentary. Uh, well, it was like a YouTube documentary, but um, on Don Bluth. Do you remember Don Bluth movies?
0: Yeah, he left. And he left Disney started his own company, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, he did. And um All Dogs Go to Heaven and just some classics that, you know, but it just never took off in the same way for a variety of reasons and um That's an interesting one too. I think you would you'd like that one.
0: <laughs> no, I'll check that out. I'll check that one out.
1: Oh, yeah. So where can I watch Waking Sleeping Beauty? Uh...
0: Oh, Disney Plus.
1: Oh, it is on that. Okay, cool.
0: Mhm. Mhm
1: perfect
0: no so
1: yeah do you remember um I mean I think like nobody else uh not too many people know this but Oliver and Company of course yeah like I remember seeing that in the theaters now I, I was probably three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh I uh, like and I know that that was one I guess that was, you know, it was, it didn't go well, but I, I remember that one fondly, although I'm not sure I've even watched it since. So maybe I should watch it again, but
0: (laughs) yeah, I, I'm with you.
1: And Joey Lawrence played the, um, played Oliver. And when I was in like, when I was in like third, fourth grade, I watched blossom on TV and Joey Lawrence was my first, like really, really big celebrity crush
0: whoa Uh, yeah
1: whoa and he made (laughs) like made an album and like i went to the store and bought the cassette tape and i i had a little nostalgia feelies like a couple years ago and i i had to find i wanted that cd again because you can't find it on spotify like who joey lawrence is today tried to erase that shit um, well, <laughs> so I had to go on like eBay and buy a copy of the CD just to like, listen to it again, just to,
0: <laughs> wow,
1: nostalgic it oh. that I was having. And, um, that was fun. And I listened to it probably once and sang every song and then I put it down and haven't haven't looked at it since, but it was a good time.
0: <laughs> it's so weird, right? It's, it's so, cause yeah. the, the Joey, L- I'm from Philly. So the Lawrence brothers, there was that, it was like, Oh, they're Philly guys. So it was like, I'm like this dude, you know, to me, like outside, like Will Smith, it was like, no one's from Philly, but it was like, Oh, these guys are Kevin Bacon. And then you start seeing there's other people, but it was like, that's where I connected and yeah, watching blossom and stuff. And, um, it's weird. Like the, I'm, like I said, I like history anyway, but the pandemic kind of made everyone I feel do this where, you just really are longing for nostalgia and I guess for like for you and me like that the 90s so they start watching these shows that you loved back then and it's funny to see the ones that are like man this still holds up and then there's these other ones that I'm like I loved it back then but I'm like why did I like this so this is not good now oh
1: my goodness yes (laughs) 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 yeah so I did, um, you know, I saw Blossom on Hulu, and I was like, eh, I fucking love that show. Let me just watch a couple. I didn't want to start at the beginning. I think I picked a couple of random episodes, but I think I only ended up watching one because I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um, I mean, some shows I do think hold up. They're, uh, not every episode of every sitcom, but um, like uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air did some really, really good ones. Um,
0: that- oh, yes
1: what they were at the time compared to like, now everyone's talking about these things that like people weren't really talking about as much back then. And so, uh, but I, I think that's with a lot of things that um, you just hold in your memory that it was so meaningful. um, And it was so good. There were these books that I read in middle school that I just, Oh, I loved them. I read them like six times each uh, middle school high school even shortly after high school and then um I read them again like 10 or 11 years ago and I was like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> yep <laughs> so I think sometimes some things can remain that wonderful memory if you just leave them alone and you don't revisit them
0: <laughs> right and, and it's hard because I'm someone who I, I, you know, I'm asked you like your favorite picture. So I get caught, even though like, you know, these lists, it's all opinion based and yeah. they're always going to get you mad. But when I see like Rolling Stone, 100 Greatest Albums or
1: mm-hmm. Best
0: Album of the 90s, I, I'm a sucker that they know, like, I'm going to go on
1: mm-hmm. and
0: just look through it and then call up other friends. Did you see what number one is? And, and so it's like, you're so right. But then suckers like me, like, it's like, oh, no, uh, this show, F- Family Matters was corny. What? That was great. And then I watch it and I go, I used to love Urkel, but why? Now like, I'm like,
1: why? Oh, God, especially with the 90s and the catchphrases. Like, oh, the Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura 2 is like my favorite. I was just like, fuck, yes. Like, no, <laughs> some young person about it. And they were like, ugh, that movie is cringe. And I was like, what do you mean? It's so good. So then, like, we got, um, this is when we were, like, traveling. And I was like, this can't be right. So my partner and I got back, got in the van. And we're, like, we're watching Ace Ventura 2. And from the fucking opening moment, it was just, like, the very heights of cringe. Like, when he's, on, he's, like, climbing up the side of a mountain. And he turns to the camera and says, all righty then. And you're just... I was like, no, I just died cringe. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, fuck. It's just that nostalgia that was getting me, you know? And and like watching it through a different lens of 25 years later, it it hits different. So I'm like, I think that I don't want to watch the Austin Powers movies again. I'm going to let them sit where they belong.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. I know.
1: (laughs) Enjoy the memory a little bit, you know?
0: It's so weird. It's so bizarre because you're right where I there's no show I have watched more often than Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where you pick the episode. I could say it by heart. I know when the commercial break is going to happen. I know when to come back from commercial break. I know when the pause for the studio. Like I just watched it my whole life so often. And it was like it was a like the theme song was massive but it was a cult following, mm-hmm. but I feel like you're right. Like things like that, people are giving the recognition. Like this isn't like a cult, this is an all time show. And they were ahead of the curve. And it's like, that's so cool to like give art that recognition. Like, even if it's not in the actual time, but to be able to look back and say, yes. this was really important.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes. So much. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of stuff like that too. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> alongside the cringe there's a lot of stuff that was ahead of its time absolutely yeah
0: so it's like i love that part and then there's like like you said like austin powers is on i think it's on hbo max air, and i'm like oh wow and then i'm like but do i really want to like you said i don't know why so like you you hit dead on like with that movie i saw it the other week and i'm like do i want to do this though i'm like <laughs> I'm like I. This might ruin my weekend, but, but I don't like it, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to take a chance.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's um. It is just so fascinating. Like, I think that's what makes art awesome. Like we've been saying, but just yeah. Uh, I, it, you know, it's just, and then also like what affects it and the timing of it and uh. Seeing people like. I knew Nevermind for Nirvana Mm -hmm. and then so many young kids from the new Batman movie came out and they love Something in the Way Yeah, and they're like this song is great and it's like blowing up and I'm like that was like a forgotten track on that album and when I used to bring that up back then people didn't really know it and now it's like it's charting everywhere I'm like it's crazy
1: yeah it is (sighs) wild or that song that just came out or that that song it's the old song but from uh, stranger things used it and now it hit the charts for the first like time since the 80s and i'm like that that's really cool um and like i just went to riot fest and nine inch nails is one of my all-time favorite bands and oh, cool it just like it broke my heart a little when he starts playing hurt it's always the last song. That he plays, and um, and I heard somebody say like, "Oh yeah, Johnny Cash," and I'm like, "No, no, Johnny Cash covered this song." Like, <laughs> 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 um, but that's just—I can't way.
0: lie, I can't lie. You are totally right. That that is a nine-inch Nails song, but <laughs> Johnny Cash just killed it. So like, and, and and working in like the treatment center, and you have like music therapy. That was one of the songs that you always heard in like
1: the Johnny. I C- used to jam
0: the Johnny Cash version. Yeah.
1: Well, you gotta play them that Nine Inch Nails version because because like we gotta respect. It's a great one.
0: <laughs> it's a great one, but Johnny just—I mean, sometimes it. I mean, hey, Jimi Hendrix, all on the Watchtower. People don't realize that's a Bob Dylan, but Jimmy, Jimmy just owned it.
1: I know. Well, the only thing I can say is that Trent did say, well, that's Johnny Cash's song now. So I'm like, uh, it's it's all right. Trent said it's all right, but <laughs> yeah, I love Johnny Cash's version. Obviously, it's beautiful. It's touching. It's uh, heart-wrenching, but um, I will always prefer the Nine Inch Nails version. <laughs> understood,
0: understood.
1: The thing about that song so personal and it goes back to what we were talking about before where it's really um, that's the art that, you know, I know I took it from whatever it meant for Trent writing it and I made it my own um, and gave it the meaning that it meant in my life. Uh, So, so yeah, I'm a little possessive of that one.
0: (laughs) I totally get it. And, and (laughs) to be fair, you are right. Like that's the perfect scenario where, that's a nine-inch nails version. Is a great version, and it's just like, and that's how great of an artist Johnny Cash like to. He brought it like that's one of the best songs I think he ever did in a great career was that Hurt remix.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah!
0: But this was uh this was so awesome and so great. I I could I I I could talk to you all night, especially like about being in the industry but then you're getting the nerd in me talking about like disney and 90s so i'm like i'm gonna be good and make sure i check it because then it'll be the five hour podcast because i'll just keep going but this this is this has been so cool
1: Yeah, I do have to go to a rehearsal for that show I was telling you about, so, but I'm the same, like, if I'm doing a podcast with the right person, I could definitely talk for hours and hours and hours, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, this is, this was so cool, and I just really appreciate it, and I do, you, you know, text me, I want to see what you think about the the Wake and Sleep and Beauty doc when you have time. Yeah, Curious to see what you think, your thoughts are on it, but.
1: Definitely. I'll let you know. Put that
0: yeah. on. The- <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> but Stan, thank you so much for coming on and, and such an awesome conversation. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing because you're just helping to inspire. You're helping to change the game and you're producing amazing art. And we need great art at all times. But I feel like especially how the past couple of years have been. Yeah, it's needed more than ever. So thank yeah. you. And, and just keep on keeping on.
1: Well, thank you so much for saying all that. And um, I really appreciate it. And no worries, because I plan to keep on keeping on.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so for the amazing sin Sage, I'm Rock. Thank you guys for listening to the after hour sessions. Peace. All right. Great. Great. Thank you so much.